Good morning. Elaine, you didn't know this morning that I was going to talk about tasting the grace of God when you made those donuts, but I'm, I'm convinced they're in it and they're calorie-free, right? That's right. So if you didn't get one, there's some in the back. You need to eat one. We are going to talk today about how God is good and how he offers that goodness to us in so many ways and and how in scripture there's time and time again when we sit at a table with the persons in the stories as we read their stories as we see them come to the table and 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 feast in different ways God uses our senses to remind us just like Thomas touched Jesus side to know that he was real after he rose from the grave. He uses our senses, and today we're going to talk about um, our sense of taste and our sense of, our sense of sight. Y'all tell me a food that you love that is good and pretty. Anybody? What? Birthday cake. I love it. What else? Strawberries. What else? Donut holes. I like it. I like it. Elaine's donut holes. Muscadines. I like it. There's a variety. We're all different. We all have things that we love, and we find new things. When we're kids, we're, we're often like, Mom, please don't make me try that. As they put a new food in front of us. And I was kind of that way, and then um, a few years ago I went to the Philippines on mission trip, and we were at the children's home, and one of the kids went and jumped and grabbed a mango off the tree and said, you have to eat this. And I'm going, I don't know if I like mango or not, and I don't want to insult you if I don't. And I had no idea, and they opened it up, and oh my goodness, it was a taste of heaven. And they said, yeah, it's good stuff, isn't it? So then we gave them fun dip, which they had never had. <laughs> and as they put it in, they realized their tongues were turning different colors and it tasted good and they loved seeing each other run around and seeing the stick turn different colors. And it was just an awesome, wonderful time in which we could commune with one another by sitting down and taking in something that was, was good might not be good calorie-wise, but it was good. Psalm 34, 8, the first part of it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's simple. Throughout Scripture, we see stories of how people have tasted and seen that God is good. We see the loving grace of God, the daily sustenance, the... Um, unfathomable divine mercy that comes through such feeder rescuing lot. He comes to Abram and he comes with bread and wine and they sit down and they feast together and they praise God. When we come to the communion table, we take our grain and our grape and we take it in and we praise God and we talk about how good he is and how he has rescued us. Joseph would be the brother that was scorned, that was thrown in a pit and taken and thrown into prison, and yet he was faithful to the visions and the dreams that God gave him. And because of that, he was able to make sure that there was something to taste, 
to see that God was good in the midst of famine. I recall stories in the New Testament of how a few fish and loaves would be used to feed thousands by the one who was sent to ensure that we could taste and see that God is good. In the desert, as the Israelites wandered, they would take in manna, literally meaning, what is it? They didn't know what it was. They just knew that it sustained them. They knew that it was going to be there every single day because God told them it was going to be there every single day. And it was. And he gave them quail. And he fed them and he sustained them in what must have been a miserable time for many who were wandering and feeling homeless. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And in that prayer, we are reminded that this is not our home, that heaven is our home, and that God waits for us there. In Ezekiel chapter 3, we hear the story of how Ezekiel would eat the scroll of God. As he talks about his calling as a prophet, he eats the scroll that has the word of God on it. And in verse 3, we are reminded that that word was like eating honey. It was so sweet in his mouth. We are called to speak with words of love to follow the words of the Shema and have that word written on our hearts so that what comes out is a loving word and a kind word that tastes like honey to the one who hears it. In 2 Kings 4, 42, we hear of a man who comes bringing 20 loaves of barley and a few fish and he He's told by Elisha the prophet, set it before this hundred men. And he says, how can this possibly feed a hundred men? And he said, set it before them. Give it to the people to eat. For the Lord says they will eat and have some left over. Again, we go back to those images of Christ taking fish and loaves and making sure it's enough. There's so many different stories. There's one I really want to have us look at today. I wanted to give you a sampling of all the goodness that is there, though, and encourage you to go and read about these feasts. Read about these times when we sit down to take in something that is to nurture our bodies, but also that nurtures our spirit as we see that God is good. King David was becoming king. And he had learned of the death of Saul and Jonathan at the hand of the Philistines. In 2 Samuel chapter 4, we hear of Jonathan's son. Now, what you have to understand is that as a new king who was not related to Saul comes to the throne, the tradition would be for him to wipe out Saul's family entirely. They don't want a threat left to the, to the new royal line, so they're going to wipe them out entirely. But David was different. David was a man of God. David didn't seek 
Saul's family. He, he went and he conquered different lands, and then he came back, and in chapter 4, we read, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a crippled son in his, whose feet were crippled. He was five years old when the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled, and it happened that in her hurry to flee, he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. Now, y'all say Mephibosheth with me. Mephibosheth. That's a name you want to remember. In chapter 9, after David has gone and conquered different areas and come back, he comes back and he asks, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? He had made a covenant with Jonathan. He had established that covenant and he was faithful to the covenants that he would make. He approached the servant of Saul, Ziba, and said to him, Is there anyone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to him, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. And the king said, Where is he? So Ziba goes and gets Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth comes in, and he, he comes to David, and he falls full on his face, and he prostrates himself, and he looks at him, and, and, and David calls him, and he says, Mephibosheth, and he's calling to him. Mephibosheth said, here is your servant. I'm, I'm falling before you for mercy. In his mind, he was probably about to breathe his last breath. But David looks at him and says to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan and will restore you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. Mephibosheth fell flat again, and he said, What is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? He was saying, I'm nothing. First of all, I'm a descendant of Saul. Secondly, I'm lame, so I, you know, you, I'm, I'm on the outcast. I'm not, not able to run and to do different things. I'm not able to serve you like others would. But David, merciful, loving, kind David, would tell him again, through the servant, that he was restoring all that belonged to his family. He's restoring the fact that food would be provided to him, and he reminded him again, saying to Ziba, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat at my table regularly. This is the king's table. And Mephibosheth ate just as if he were one of David's sons. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story of grace. It's, it's such a miraculous heart that can hold that kind of love. Here is this enemy of David. And yet David, as king, has said, come sit at my table. 
I'm claiming you as mine. Sin made us enemies of God, and yet we are called by him, by name, and told, don't fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of my son, Jesus. Hebrews 9.27 says, Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die, after this comes judgment. But Romans 3.10-12 through 12 says, There is none righteous, not even one, not one who understands, not one who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good, not even one. And Romans 5.10 says, If while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the, through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Jesus did for us what David did for Mephibosheth. Now, it may sound funny to walk up to somebody and say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And somebody's going to look at you and say, I can't taste the goodness of God. Victor, what was it you had under the trees? Muscadines? And they also served you bread and, and milk? Tea with sweet milk in it and bread. And that probably tasted like the goodness of God. My mom would tell the story of a friend of hers who was in the nursing home and she had lost her sight and someone came in and, and started singing to her and she didn't know who it was and her children came later that day and they said, Mom, where did all this stuff come from? And she said, I don't know. She said, somebody came in and sang to me earlier. And they said, well, who was it? And she said, you know, I just don't know. But they sounded like Jesus. They smelled like Jesus. And her mom said, or she said to her mom, how does, how does somebody smell like Jesus? And she says, well, they brought in those goodies, and I knew the, good, the goodies were somewhere nearby, and that they would be for me. We can feel that presence of God, and just like 1 John 3, 1 says, we can see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we would be called sons and daughters of God. In Matthew 8, there would be a centurion who would come and seek Christ for healing. He would come and he would seek him and he would say, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Now think about the Romans were enemies of the Jews. They would have been considered this, this servant who was paralyzed and suffering terribly would have been in much the same condition possibly as Mephibosheth. And Christ comes to him much the way David did to Mephibosheth and says, shall I come and heal him? That centurion probably didn't expect that answer. 
And he replied to Jesus, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but, but if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. This enemy of his knew the power that God had given him and knew the grace that God had given him to the point that he could speak a word. Just like God said, let there be light and there was light, he knew that Jesus could say, let this man be healed and he would be healed. But Jesus looks around and he says, I'm going to tell you right now, I haven't seen this kind of faith in Israel And yet this man, this centurion, stands before me saying, he knows, he has the faith in me to know that all I have to do is speak the word and that healing will happen. He tells them that many will come from the east and the west and take their places at a feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob one day in the kingdom of heaven. And he tells them, invite your enemies to that feast. Tell them about me. Give them grace through what you serve them. Let them know of the wondrous, amazing love that I have for them. Those two stories of such unfathomable divine grace are just amazing to me. I can remember a family reunion when I wasn't acting like such a pleasant daughter or child or grandchild and um, and yet and and I just knew that I wasn't gonna get any of my Winnie Mama's apple pie and that was the that's the best stuff on earth. But I went in and she said, Okay, come over here and sit down right beside me. I want you to have the first serving. And I said, this is a joke, right? She said, no. She said, I love you. She said, I don't know what's going on, but you're having a hard day. And I just want you to know that you are always welcome at my table, that I will always have apple pie for you. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you act. I'm going to love you. I was pretty good at the rest of the family reunions after that. And I usually went and sat by my grandmother. Well, I got the first serving of apple pie, you know. Nothing wrong with that. We know that when we come to a table and we're fed, that we can then open our eyes and we can see And we can take it in. It's like the kids in the Philippines when they lick the stick for the fun dip and they put it in and it comes out and it comes out of color and they're like, their eyes just get big and then they taste. The goodness of God is so amazing. John chapter 20 talks about one of the resurrection appearances. And in that appearance... Christ is, is seeing disciples who are fishermen who are out on the Sea of Galilee. If you've ever been, it's beautiful. If you haven't been, I encourage you to go. But they were out on the sea, and they looked, and they saw this person up on the shore, and they could smell the fish cooking. And this person says, come on, bring some of those fish and come on up. And then they figure out who it is. 
and it's Jesus. And he would say to them, sit down at my table. They had sat at a table with him the Thursday evening before. They had broken bread with him. And they probably thought that was the last time they would taste anything served from his table. But the good news is, he is alive. And he is well. And he says to us, come. Don't be afraid. For I will surely take care of you. Many of them may have thought back to when he said in Matthew 6, Don't worry about what you will eat or drink or what you will wear. Consider the lilies of the field and the birds of the air and how your Father Father in heaven loves them and how much more does he love you. When you become hungry for God, reach out and taste it. Grab this Bible, grab somebody next to you, grab a friend, sit down and pray, do whatever you have to do, but come to that table because there's always a seat for you at the table of God. And He is good all the time. We may feel like Mephibosheth who's been left behind. We may feel like the servant who needs to be healed. We may feel like one of, the, one of the persons who was starving in the famine that Joseph had managed to save food for through being obedient to God. But when we receive that food and take in that grace, it changes everything. The last part of Psalm 34.8 says, Blessed is the man who takes refuge in God. When we sit down, when we come to the table together, when we have communion and we celebrate and worship, and when we come and we fellowship and commune with one one another in the Word, we can come and we can taste and we can see that God is good. We can take this. We can take those words in. We're not eating a scroll, but we can take those words in and digest them and we can know that God is good just like Ezekiel did and it'll taste like honey. And it'll sound like Jesus when you tell somebody else. In Stuart's message this morning, he challenged us to remember the last words of Christ, to go and tell. So my challenge to you is to go and tell and and find a table and sit down and have food with somebody. And take them some of Elaine's donuts if she'll make them for you to take with you. Or take, you know, sit down with a watermelon. It's summertime. Barbecue. Call somebody over. There's a great Easter commercial that shows the, the family and they're wanting to get their picture taken and they realize they can't get it all together so they call the neighbor who's in his bathrobe and they say, hey, come take our picture. And he comes over and he goes, oh, you guys look great. You know, okay, smile, cheese. He takes their picture and he, they said, yeah, we're, we're dressed up for Easter Sunday. We're going to go we're going to go to church. He's like, oh, okay. What's that about? Well, you know, Jesus died for us, and he rose again, and he lives for us, and he saves us, and he forgives us of our sins, and we get to live eternally when we're in relationship with him. And the neighbor goes, oh, did you 
think my family might want to know about that. I'd love to do a second commercial to that one where they sit down at a table together and they talk about what happened at church that day. Let's pray. Father, we're going to leave here. We're going to go and we're going to get in our cars and we're going to go to a restaurant or home and we are going to sit down and we are going to eat. Remind us that the blessings that you have given us are measures of your love, your sustaining grace, your merciful divine presence in our life. Lord, help us to remember that we get to sit at the king's table every time we come to the word, every time we come into your presence. Remind us to taste the goodness of that grace and not just keep it to ourselves, but to pass that grace down to one another. To share, say, you need to try this. You need to take this. You need to take it in because it's good. Open your eyes and see his goodness for us. Open your hearts this day. Lord, we pray your blessing on each and every one of us and on the food we're going to have at lunch. May we go and may we share the story with a neighbor who probably wants to hear that story. It's in your name we pray. Amen.